This is Lance Turner, pastor at Grow Church. We'd like to thank you for joining our podcast. We pray the message today stirs your faith and it causes you to grow. Enjoy the message. Okay, so we've been in this series called Be Brave. We started last week and we talked about our, one of our, my favorite characters and that's uh, King David last week. And we, we told this story of David and Goliath and we drew some really neat things, the characteristics of somebody who's brave out of that story. The first thing we said was the brave are confident, but it's not confidence in your own ability. It's confidence in a faithful God. How many you know God's faithful this morning? So your confidence isn't in you, it's in Him, right? And so the brave are confident. And then we said that the, the brave, they don't, they don't back down to intimidating voices. When you hear an enemy that's, that's trying to intimidate you and back you down, you say, no, 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 I know who I am in Christ. And so you don't back down to intimidating voices. We also said that, that, the, that the brave, you know, they're, they're, they're not going to, they're not going to cower down. They're going to stand and run to the battle. Anybody know that? That God gives you the courage to run into the battle, not from the battle. Where does that courage come from? It comes from a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. So whatever battle you're facing this morning, you can be reminded that the battle's not even yours anyway. Amen? Can I get an amen this morning? It belongs to Him, and He'll fight it for you. That's why you can run to the battle. So today... I want to continue talking about stories. And I don't know about you. How many of you grew up in church? Let me see your hand. So these stories we've been talking about, you've heard before, right? I remember when I was in, in Sunday school and, and, and when I was a kid, our teacher, anybody remember those flannel boards? And they had the little paper characters and they would move them around to tell the story. Well, it's, it's neat for us to kind of reminisce about that a little bit because these stories that we're talking about, those are some of those stories. So last week it was David and Goliath. This week it's Daniel and the lion's den. You guys remember that story? And I, it brings back memories. But you know what? Here's what I'm praying today because some of you in this room, maybe you didn't grow up in church and maybe you didn't hear those stories. And we're going to read that story today. And maybe God will just do something in your heart today and cause you to understand that he's great this morning. And those of you that heard the story before, maybe there's something fresh and something new that God will speak into your heart as we talk about these wonderful stories out of the Old Testament. So you ready this morning? You ready to, to hear about the story of the Daniel and the lion's den? Well, let's dig right in. If you have your Bibles, let's turn to Daniel chapter 6. And we're going to read. We're going to start with verse, verse 1, actually. And so I want you to, as we're reading this, we're going to highlight a few words in here. I want you to kind of follow along and, and kind of grasp those words and kind of internalize those words as we read. So I'm reading from the New Living. It says, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose, notice I, I highlighted chose, because this was the king's decision, right? And Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise. This is, gonna, this is important for you to, to, to highlight this. The high officers and to protect the king's interests. Verse 3. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers because of Daniel's great ability. The king made plans to place him over the entire empire. And so right here real quick, what are you noticing about Daniel at the very beginning of this story? You're noticing that he's head and shoulders above the rest. That he has a work ethic that's head and shoulders above the rest. That he has character that's head and shoulders above the rest. And that's going to prove really important as we talk about this story. Because you notice what happens in these next verses. 
Remember, this is Daniel. And let me just say real quick, Daniel was a Jew, right? And he had been taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar. The whole entire, um, the nation of Israel, was dis, they were disobedient to God. And God said, because you're disobedient, you're going to go into captivity. And that's what, exactly what happened. God's word was fulfilled. And so Daniel finds himself in the middle of a, of a culture and an environment that's not really godly. Y'all follow me? And so this is important for you to get this. And so in the middle of this culture of ungodliness and paganism, what does Daniel do? He sets himself apart. Now watch this. What happens? Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling the government affairs. But they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. Look at this. Read this with me. He was what? Faithful and always responsible and completely trustworthy. This is important. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Verse 6, so the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, long live King Darius. Verse 7, we're all in agreement. We administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays, catch that, to anyone divine or human except to you, your majesty will be thrown into the den of lions. Verse 8. And now, your majesty, issue and sign this law so that it cannot be changed. An official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Look what he did. So King Darius signed the law. Well, here's something important for you to get. First of all, you notice that, that Daniel is head and shoulders above the rest of them. And what, is, what, what does the king notice? The king notices this, and what does he do? He promotes him. He has plans to make him second in command. Why is it? Because of, it's because of those three words. You saw him. He's faithful. He's responsible and trustworthy. These are the, the characteristics that if you will, you will embody, that, that God will help you with, you will find yourself people taking notice of, and promotion can come as a result. Y'all with me? But there's not always going to be people that are happy with what's happening in your life. Not everybody's going to be tickled about your success. Can I get an amen? And so maybe you find yourself in a situation, in an environment at your work where you have been working hard. Your work ethic is impeccable. And you're doing everything that you know to do. And the, and the boss starts taking notice, but other people around you start getting jealous. Anybody ever been in a situation like that? This is exactly the situation that Daniel finds himself in. It was, it, there's no question in my mind that those other officials were motivated by envy and jealousy toward Daniel. Now, you notice what it says. It says they couldn't find anything wrong with, with his work ethic. His work ethic was impeccable. As a matter of fact, there's a word that I've, that's been kind of thrown around in, in the modern culture. Anybody ever heard the word linchpin? Anybody ever heard that word? Basically, what a linchpin is, a person who's so valuable or vital to a company that the, the, everybody around them sees it, and they, that's the bosses, they ask them, they're, they're the ones they ask the questions to. They're the ones that give the, the important projects to. Why? Because they are vital to that organization. I'll, I'm here to say Daniel was a linchpin, wasn't he? And so these guys, motivated by jealousy and envy, you notice they go to the king, and you, you know and good and well that Daniel did, had, knew nothing about that meeting, right? 
He was not included. because. But you notice what they said. All of the administrators and all of the high officials are in agreement that we need to, do, to put this law in place. You got to know that Daniel was not included in that, in that meeting, right? So here it is. These guys, motivated by jealousy and envy, are, they're motivated to take Daniel out. But the only thing that they can find wrong with Daniel is his faith. They use that against him. They try to use it against him, the fact that he is consistently talking with God, praying to God. And you notice what happened. They went to the king and had him sign a law that couldn't be revoked. So there's this, this undermining that's going on in Dan, against Daniel. Has anybody ever experienced that, that undermining? I have. And so when jealousy and envy, it, when it motivates somebody, they'll do things that maybe they would never were would never ever do. And so let me, let me challenge you today that don't let those people who are envious and jealous of you stop you from being top-notch at what you do. Let me challenge you to be impeccable in your work ethic. Let me challenge you to, when, when you say you're going to be there at 8 o'clock in the morning for work, you're there at 7.50 or 7.55. And you're clocked in at 8 o'clock ready to go. That when you say you're going to work to 4, you work to 4. Sometimes maybe if, if there's a project that calls for it, you, maybe you work a little longer just to make sure you go the extra mile. This is, what we're, 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 this is a, a testimony to God in our lives, to the impeccable nature and the character of God. Here's what Paul said in Colossians chapter 3. He said, work willingly at whatever you do as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. So when people look at your work ethic, when they see you, let them see a person who's disciplined. Let them see a person who has work ethic. Why? Because it becomes something that points people as a testimony to Christ. This morning, so whatever you do, because of your character, make sure that you make yourself valuable. Because that's exactly what Daniel did. And I promise you, the right people will take notice. Amen? Here's the second thing. So the first point, if you're taking notes, the brave walk in wisdom and favor. Now, you remember a few, few, uh, about last month, we talked about wisdom. And really all wisdom is is behaving wisely. So if you walk in wisdom and favor... There, that's because you are connected to God and your, your work ethic is impeccable. Here's number two. The brave make prayer a priority. Let's keep reading. Chat, uh, verse 10. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and knelt down. Notice what it, what it says. As usual. Take note of that. In his upstairs room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he prayed three times a day just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking God's help. So they went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law that for the next 30 days any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions? Yes, the king replied, that decision stands. It is an official law of the Medes and Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king, that man Dave, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. Hearing this, the king was what? Why was he deeply troubled? 
because he knew he had somebody, he had a linchpin. And he noticed, and he's like, my goodness. They, and he, I, I guarantee you, right then, he, the aha moment came. I have been tricked. I have been bamboozled into making this law. And so he's deeply troubled. Watch what he does. And he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of his predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and the Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last, the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, May your God, whom you serve so faithfully, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den. The, the king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then king, the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all. Let me tell you something, folks. Those guys that saw Daniel as a linchpin, they also saw his faith. And when they went to his house, you know what they were counting on? They were counting on catching him praying. Why? Because his habit of prayer was so consistent that people knew where he stood, what his faith was. Let me tell you something, folks. If you want to be brave, if you want to find courage, you better hit your knees. Because in your prayer closet, in that time alone with Christ is where the strength comes. In that time alone with Jesus is where the battles are won, folks. There's no other way. And so you understand this. Daniel had tapped into something. He knew where his strength was laying, right? That work ethic, that wisdom, that all of that that he was doing was all because of his relationship with God. Amen. And he understood that the key to success was not in being the best. The key was on your face, in your closet, before a mighty God. So I need to ask you a question. How consistent are you in your prayer life? Are you finding yourself walking in fear and afraid? Maybe walking in doubt? I'm here to tell you, folks, if you'll go to your prayer closet, and you'll seek the face of God, I guarantee you, the fear will go. Amen. The doubt will go. Why? Because you have placed your focus, not on your ability, not on your strength, but on the strength of the one who created everything, the one who spoke the world into existence. He is the one who's looking out for you. Amen. And so, those who are brave, make prayer a priority. And you understand this, folks, that the enemy would want nothing more than to rob you from that delight. Have you ever thought about that? Some of us, when we think about prayer, we think of it being a drudgery. That it's something we have to do. Folks, you need to t change that paradigm. And you need to understand that prayer is not something you have to do. It's something you get to do. It's a privilege and an honor to, to co coerce and to fellowship with the maker of the stars. The one who created you and loves you more. And so, folks, I'm here to tell you, if you're not praying, you're not brave. It's impossible. You may try on your own for a little while and maybe have a measure of success, but I'm here to tell you long term, if you're not praying, you don't have strength and you're not brave.
That should have got a better amen than that. So I'm going to ask you, how consistent are you in your prayer life? Paul understood the, the necessity and the, the strength of prayer when he talked to Timothy in 1 Timothy. Let's read this together. Chapter 2, look what he says. He says, I urge you. Listen, guys, I urge you. You feel the, the, the passion there? I urge you, first of all, not second, not third, not tenth, not after everything is gone. What does he say? First of all, make prayer a priority. First of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them. Does it say some people? The, some of the people we like? No, all people. That means that person in your office that drives you absolutely bonkers, you pray for them. Pray for all people, intercede on their behalf. You know what intercede is? You're standing in the gap for them. There's some people, maybe they don't, they don't know how to pray, or they don't understand the power in prayer, and you're going to God on their behalf. That's what intercession is. Folks, we need to be interceding for the people that we know. Our co-workers, our family members, our neighbors, those people that really, they could pray for themselves, but they just don't know how to. And God says, let me urge you. Let me, let me have a passion for interceding for my brothers and my sisters. Amen. Folks, this is the power in prayer. And so Paul understands it. Intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. That speaks of the right attitude we were talking about earlier, right? An attitude of understanding that, that God created them in His image. That every person that you run into is created in the image of, the, of God. And He loves them. And so should we. Amen? Keep reading. Pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live what? Peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Now, I, I want you to understand something. That's what Daniel was doing. He was praying for, I, I could hear him calling Darius' name out in prayer. I could hear him calling out those, even those people that were jealous and envious of him, he's calling their name out in prayer. Why? Because he, there's an outcome. What? We want to live peaceful and quiet lives in dignity, in character. Amen. Anybody for that this morning? You want to live, a, how many want to live peaceful lives? Pray. There's a simple formula. Pray. Here it is. This is good and pleases God our Savior. So you know why it pleases Him? Because prayer is the main source of fellowship between you and Him. You know what He's doing? He's waiting. He's waiting on you to say, God, I, I want to have this this." intimate time with you, this time of, of prayer. Let's, let's get together, God. And you know what? Make it a set time. I know some of you, you how many of you have a, a schedule in the calendar that you keep regularly? Why not pencil that in? Or make it, make it actually put it in pen, make it more permanent. And so you have your time between you and God. Amen? Here's, look at this. This is the part that really gets it. Who wants, say it with me. Say everyone. Everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. You know what? The neat thing about this is God is always after one thing. He's after redemption. Even the story of Daniel points to 
redemption. Amen? It's always God's heart for redemption. And so when we pray for our government officials, when we pray for our friends, what's the outcome God wants? He wants people to be saved. He wants people to understand that Christ came and lived a sinless life and died a cruel death on the cross and walked out of the tomb. Anybody glad for that this morning? That God rescued you and redeemed you? Anybody glad that you're redeemed this morning? Can you put your hands together and thank God that you're redeemed today? And the truth is, the same way God felt about you, the same way God pursued you and brought you into the kingdom is the same feeling that he has for those outside those four walls. And what's he saying? Let's intercede on their behalf. Why? Because redemption is always the heart of God. Amen. His heart it should be our heart. Amen. And so the, the brave make prayer a priority. The next thing is the brave, they don't bow to the culture. You notice what Daniel did in the middle of a pagan government, in the middle of a pagan society, Daniel flourished. But you notice something he didn't do. What did he not do? He didn't compromise. Never once did Daniel give in and compromise to be accepted by the people around him. Folks, when you're, you find yourself in the middle of an of a, of a environment, maybe it's your work environment, maybe it's the, the people that you're around, and, and boy, they're just anti-God, the, what you need to do is say, you know what, I'm, you know, I'm not going to give in to that. I'm not going to bow to the culture. No, the God that I serve is bigger than that culture, right? He trumps everything. So for you and I, to be impeccable, to be the linchpin, to be the one who has the work ethic, to be the one who says, I'm not going to, you know, when they're, they're around the, 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 the water cooler and they're telling that, that jerk, joke that's off-colored, I'm not going to sit there and laugh at it. Amen. No, I'm, gonna, I'm not going to be ugly. Listen, you're not in there with your, you know, God hates sinners uh, board at work. You're not doing that. Amen. You're not... You're not saying you're all going to hell. You're not doing that, right? But you are taking a stand. But you don't have to be, you don't have to be ugly about it. Amen? We can engage our culture in the love of Christ. And that's exactly what we see Daniel doing here. He's in the middle of a pagan culture, and yet he's flourishing. His, his work ethic, his character is unquestioned. And because of that... People take notice. You know, I remember Paul, too, in the book of um, Acts, when he's, he goes to Athens and he begins to see the, the tombs of all the, you know, or, or the, the monuments to all of the gods, and he sees this one that's unknown God. And he, and he seizes it as an opportunity not to, to judge those people. They were, these guys were thinkers. They were, they were pondering the questions of life. And you know what he does? He points them to the maker of the universe. He points them to the one who spoke the stars into existence. And what does he do? Ultimately, what he gets around to is, let me tell you about this unknown God who created everything, who came and lived a sinless life and died on the cross and walked out of the tomb. Folks, when we engage our culture with integrity, 
with trustworthiness, with all those words that describe what Daniel did, it becomes an opportunity to share our faith. You understand that, right? When you're not compromising in the culture, you set yourselves apart and people start wondering how in the world are you able to do that? I believe that's what Christ had in mind when he said to be in the world and not of it. You can't escape it, folks. We're not, all of us aren't going to join a monastery and go live in hiding for the rest of our lives, are we? Does anybody, anybody plan on doing that? No, we have to be in the world. We work in the secular market. We, we're around people who aren't Christians for a reason. What did Jesus say? He said, let your light so shine before men that they what? That they see your good works. And what do they do? Anybody, can anybody finish it? They glorify the Father who's in heaven. Your behavior, your work ethic, your excellence, your, your not bowing to the culture all become an opportunity to testify of the gospel. God has strategically placed you where you are for such a time. As, Pastor, you don't understand how dark it is. You know what? You need to rejoice in that. You know why? Because God saw something in you. He saw faithfulness in you. He saw something in you. He said, I want you to go and be light in that dark place. Are you following me this morning, folks? Daniel did not cower down to the the culture. He stood in the middle of it and was a light shining bright to the glory of God. That's a lesson for all of us. You know, I was talking to somebody the other day, and I think it was Amber. We were talking the other day, and, you know, the position that I do, I'm not around a lot of people that are, that are outside the faith, right? If I come here to study or I'm in the office all day long, I'm not around that many people that don't know him. But you know what I do? You know what God has, has prompted me to do? You know, you guys know where I go. I go to Starbucks. Why do I do that? Because I've got to be a light in a dark place. Just this week, I had an opportunity to share with about three or four ladies. We were talking about this, this gentleman that, that passed away this week, a young guy. Man, just please pray for his family. But we were talking about that, and it led to a conversation about how, how they wanted their bodies to be done, either cremated or buried. And they're all like, well, I don't know if I like cremation. Or and the other one's like, I just don't know if I can be put in a box. And you know what? Boy, that light bulb started going off, and I'm like, this is what God has brought me here for. And so I listened to him from like, and I'm like, you know what? You know, maybe, yeah, it's okay to ponder that and really decide on that. But I'm here to tell you, that's not you. That's just the shell of you. That's going back to dust. What you really need to be asking is, where is the real me going over on the other side? What, what am I going to do with the afterlife? Folks, those are the questions that people need to be, they need the answers for. And when you are in a dark place, God has strategically put you there to be light in a dark place. Because they're going to ask the questions. Amen. You need to be the one that when people say, you know what, uh, you know, I'm facing this tragedy. You know, my, my, my brother died or my, my wife's divorcing me. Who are they going to come to for prayer on your job? Who should it be? How do they know? How are they going to know who to go to? You know why? You're going to set yourself up apart. Now, you're not, listen, understand me. You've got to walk in humility. You can't act like you've got it all together because that's hypocritical, right? That's what's turning people off. But if you go to them and say, look, you know, I, I'm like you. 
I face the challenges of life, but I'm here to tell you I've got the answer. It's not me. The answer is him. And so when your behavior, when your attitude point to Christ, it gives you an opportunity to be salt and light in a dark place. This is exactly what Daniel was doing. So my challenge to you is, what are you going to do about that? How are you going to set yourself apart so that people notice that you're not bowing in a pagan place? You can flourish like Daniel did in the, right in the middle of it. Amen? Last point, we're almost done. The brave understand that God will deliver. How many, how many of you say that you thank God that he's, he's, a, he's a deliverer this morning? Is, are you thankful for that today? Let's, work, let's read verse 19. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried out to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out in anguish, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, look at this, long live the king. Is there a relationship between Daniel and this king? There's a friendship there. Why is that? Look at this. My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth. Hallelujah. Come on, somebody. So that they will not hurt me, for I have been found innocent in his sight, and I have not wronged you. In other words, he's maintaining his integrity. Not only to God, but to the king. Amen. Look at this. Your majesty. Look at this. The king was overjoyed. How many of your bosses are overjoyed about your behavior? Look at this. The king was overjoyed and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had what? He had trusted in his God. I'm here to tell you, folks, God is a deliverer if you'll just put your trust in him. Amen? Hallelujah. Then the king gave orders to arrest the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Verse 25. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race and nation and language throughout the world. Get this. Who is this? This is a pagan king. Not only telling his kingdom... But the world, watch this, peace and prosperity to you. What do, we, what do we say we need to pray about in 2 Timothy? Peace. Look at this. Then I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with fear before the God of Daniel, for he is, watch, come on, say it out, the living God, the living God, and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed, and his rule will never end. You know what Darius has just become? A witness for God. Y'all get this, folks. I hope you're getting this. A pagan king becomes a, one of the biggest witnesses for God. Why? Because of Daniel's faithfulness and trustworthiness, because he understood that God would deliver him, and he showed bravery in the midst of it. King Darius becomes one of the biggest witnesses for God. Amen? He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. Man, this is good, right? So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius. Da so Daniel did what? I should have highlighted that word. What did he do? Does God want you prosperous? Does that mean you're going to be a millionaire? Not necessarily. 
You can prosper in the middle of circumstances that aren't even pleasant. You know what? Lean into me. That's what being fully alive looks like. It doesn't have to be in the good times only that you prosper. God will sustain you and deliver you through all circumstances, folks. If you'll trust in him, no matter what the circumstances, I'm here to tell you, God will come through. Amen? He is a deliverer. I hope, I hope to goodness, folks, this encourages you today. Maybe you have been, been doubting and not understanding where God has you. I'm here to tell you, even in the middle of a pit, in the middle of a lion's den, God is faithful. We believe that God is able. Amen. Y'all believe that this morning? That God is faithful? You believe He's able? If he rescued Daniel from the lion's den, he can deliver you. And the thing about it is, when people see you walking through tough times, circumstances, you rest assured they're taking notice. They're watching how you'll respond. And if you'll walk through it like Daniel did with all faith. And you say it doesn't matter what happens to me. Whatever my circumstances are. It doesn't matter. God's in control. And when they see the confidence. In your God. They'll do the same thing that Darius did. They'll declare for you. God's faith. They'll see it. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to our online broadcast here at Grow Church. We hope that you've heard something today that will strengthen and encourage you throughout the week. Make sure you tune in next week for our next broadcast. God bless.